This is episode 42 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Bonnie Haupt. I think music's been so important in my own life and like all the performance opportunities I've gotten to have playing with my peers and my friends and to to know that like some people don't get the same opportunities in school, you know, just for several reasons. Um, I like that in lessons and, and in community groups, you can really provide those musical experiences or they can make music with their peers too. And it's kind of that like cultural aspect of like, just that, just that basic of making music with each other. And so that's how I see like the musical goals just as important. And then it's something you have for life. It's a leisure skill you have for life. And whether you're listening or playing, like they can pick up the guitar at Christmas or holidays and play for their family, like down the road, like past you. And it's kind of cool to think about like how almost that generalization over time with the musical goals too. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I have my conversation with Bonnie Haupt, who is a music therapist currently stationed in Colorado. And in this conversation, we talk about Bonnie's experience with burnout as a new professional, her resources and online presence that she created as a way to seek to both give and find the support system she needed so much, as well as how she has used self-care and creating um, routines for herself to overcome her burnout. Oh, and we talk about adaptive lessons and some of her tools and resources and ideas she uses for those. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. They really help the podcast be more visible. And you can find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. Also, please consider joining our group on Facebook. And if you haven't heard already, for the month of February, all Patreon donations are going to be donated to the Australian Red Cross to help with their relief efforts um, regarding the forest fires over there. So please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com. The link is always in the show notes, so you can find it there. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Bonnie. All right, Bonnie, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. 
Yay. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for being on the show. We were just talking before I pressed record about how you've been one of our number one fans since the very beginning. And I so, so appreciate that, knowing that the podcast is getting out and people are enjoying it and still listening. Yeah, it's been so beneficial and I drive a lot. So it's been one of just my staples whenever there's a new episode, I'm like download and I listen to it on my drive and just love the different perspectives that your show offers. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. That's so nice. So today we're going to hear yours. Can you start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself outside of music therapy? Yes. Okay. Outside of music therapy, I am an avid cat lover, uh, a proud cat mom. (laughs) And uh, I live in Colorado. And uh, so I I do some hiking and exploring. And uh, those are kind of the two main things outside of music therapy, because then a lot of my time is spent with music therapy and different associations and such. Yeah. Tell us different associations. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I recently am the uh, membership representative uh, committee, membership committee representative for the Midwestern region for AMTA. So it's a, one of those volunteer positions uh, for the region. And I'm just really excited to start working on kind of advocating for membership, uh, specifically for the Midwest, but for AMTA in general. And then um, Colorado's got a music therapy association as well. And I like to connect with them on their Facebook group and stuff like that recently organized a business owners brunch and um so we're trying to get that growing too in the denver area as well good for you that's awesome so plug amta why should we join amta oh there's so many good reasons um i get a lot out of the research that's a big one for me immediate access to the journals all year is so good and then this year they've added where i believe it's you can get up to 30 cmtes with uh, research uh, through the website that they're doing just for membership. But it's a whole new package that they're just put out. And I'm really excited about that as well, too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, the CMTEs, I think, are a great selling point because it makes it easy and it's it's worth the money for that many, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think so. And um, yeah, and then you get discounts on conferences, like which I like to go to, whether or not I'm on a board or not, but I like to go to them. So those discounts are nice as well. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. So tell us about your music therapy journey, how you found it and got to where you are now. Yeah. Okay. So it was about seventh grade. I play percussion and I was playing percussion in seventh grade. And that's when I decided I was going to be a music major. <laughs> I, uh, I went every morning early for middle school to practice in the band room. And I did some of my first compositions and I got a bunch of my friends together and they're like playing crash cymbals and, and stuff that I would just like arrange. Um, and so through high school, I kind of worked towards that goal, music major. And I always just kind of was like, music ed, I don't see myself as a performer, but I like, you know, I like to educate. I like working with kids and other peers and stuff. I was like, that sounds like something I could do. So I got into the University of Georgia's percussion studio and went in as a music ed major. And that was when about that first semester was the first time I heard the term music therapy. And I was like, what's that? And so people are explaining what they're studying. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And it kind of like stayed in the back of my head and was something I was constantly interested in talking to them about. And then second semester, freshman year, my friend in the percussion studio, who was also a music ed major, was like, I'm going to double major 
and music ed and music therapy. And then I was like, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> so we both took the intro class where you like lead a bunch of songs uh, for the first skills class to your peers. And you did like, you know, the vocal and the guitar and piano. So you learn like guitar in two days and they're like, okay, now lead a song on guitar. And it was a really stressful class. Um, and we both kind of heard all the credits it would take to be a music ed major and to be a music therapy major and just like it would add at least one more year and so both of us were like oh <laughs> double majoring's probably probably not gonna happen so my friend very quickly is like okay well I'm a music ed major then and I kind of had this whole identity crisis <laughs> for like a couple of weeks I was like I don't know and um you know I talked to my family and they're um they were like you seem really interested in music therapy and I was like yeah I am so it kind of took a second to get out of that identity I had since seventh grade of like oh, I'm gonna be a band director because what I was looking for I think in being a band director was what the music therapy field really serves and I always just kind of wanted to help people with music and educators can do that for sure too but it was so at the core of music therapy and the psychology with it I was like okay so I switched my major and I, yeah, you start practicums the next year and it was like this immediate just kind of click of like, oh yeah, music therapy was a good choice. And even to this day, it's like, oh yeah, band director. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. So, but you now do um, adaptive lessons, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's kind of cool. I've kind of come full circle in a way. And in a way, it's, it's cool to see how my interests have always lined up. Because for internship, I was really adamant about, I'm going to work in a school. So even though I wasn't this, a music educator and was interested in music therapy, there were still, like, interests from both that I kept a lot. So I ended up interning at a private school in Omaha for uh, individuals with disabilities, uh, like, all the grades, which was awesome. And I got a ton of experience and really fell in love with that population there. And they had band classes in the school where I really started kind of working towards adaptive lessons too. And so I've kind of have like the best of both worlds where it's like, I'm not a band director, but I do get to teach music sometimes uh, along with music therapy too. And so sometimes I teach an instrument in therapy if it meets the, the goals that are non-musical. So like with ukulele, um, you could work on really specific fine motor goals while learning the ukulele. We're just not as focused about learning the ukulele as an end goal, but you can kind of use that learning to work on the other goals. And then in lessons, it's very much working on those performance leisure skill goals, which I find just as beneficial. I think it's so cool to see what you can get out of lessons versus therapy with the musical goals, because I feel like I've found musical goals are just as important as those non-musical goals. Yeah, what an important mindset. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think music's been so important in my own life and like all the performance opportunities I've gotten to have playing with my peers and my friends. And to to know that like some people don't get those same opportunities in school, you know, just for several reasons. Um, I like that in lessons and, and in community groups you can really provide those musical experience or they can make music with their peers too. And it's kind of that like cultural aspect of like, just that, just that basic of making music with each other. And so that's how I see like the musical goals just as important. And then it's something you have for life. It's a leisure skill you have for life. And whether you're listening or playing, like they could pick up the guitar at Christmas or holidays and play for their family, like down the road, like past you. And it's kind of cool to think about 
like how almost that generalization over time with the musical goals too. Yeah, what a great way to put that. Because that can be um, a very controversial thing about, um, you know, we are using music to achieve non-musical goals is a very common phrase. But yeah, I more and more I see that people kind of are saying, well, the musical goals are also important depending on where you're working and who you're working with. So that's awesome mm-hmm. that you are able to do that in similar but different situations. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like even music educators when they're like fighting for to have their like band programs in school. You can say like, oh, m- music helps math, music helps their science grades, like X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, there's this argument of like music itself is this beautiful, rich thing that everybody deserves. Why can't that be enough? Why does it have to help the math score? So it almost kind of goes along with that too. And like the non-musical goals are, are important, obviously, because <laughs> that, that's such an exciting thing about music therapy. But it's kind of like, why stop at the non-musical goals? Why not have these musical goals too? Or if it's even more appropriate, and that's what somebody's looking for therapeutically, it's like, oh, we can really use learning an instrument in a therapeutic way. Yeah. So how do you market and propose and keep the boundaries between your therapy sessions where the client is learning an instrument versus your specifically adaptive lesson lessons yeah that wouldn't be yeah. sessions <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so on my services page on my website it's probably where I draw like the clearest almost like physical line there's like a line like individual music therapy individual adaptive lessons so I have this really clear line on my website almost physically and then so the individual music therapies on one side and individual adaptive lessons is on the other. And music therapy talks about how you use music therapy for non-musical goals. And I kind of list the domains that I really focus on. And then on the other side, it's like, here are these specific instruments that we work on playing. We can pick more than one, but we're really working towards those instruments. And I even have a blurb in the lesson one specifically where I'm like, this is not music therapy because we're focusing on learning the lesson. But as a music therapist... I will bring like a lot of things that I know to it that maybe not a necessarily a traditional music teacher may know. They might, but that I really do have this therapeutic background and training that can allow me to meet an individual at their learning level for that instrument, like we would meet an individual for their goals in the, on, in the non-musical area. And then on top of that, I have a tab that's what is music therapy. And there's just like research and science like all over that one. So just really emphasizing like, Music therapy is evidence-based, it's healthcare, and then music lessons are music lessons. You know, it's not healthcare, but there's that leisure skill we can build. So that's how I try to make that distinction. And then in just phone calls with families, I make it really clear that if we're doing lessons, it's not music therapy and like what the difference is and kind of gauge what would be better for their child and what they're kind of looking for. Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to offer those two different things. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I definitely like both are so enjoyable to do. So, What instruments do you do lessons for? Uh, voice, percussion, guitar, ukulele, piano. Nice. And I'm a percussionist. So that's the one I'm most confident with. But um, ukulele, guitar, they're, they're all pretty popular, actually. So, Yeah, I believe that. When you do percussion, do you do like marimba? Do you do like African drums or like Cuban drums? Like what do you what do you do? Yeah, well, for the most part right now, equipment-wise, it's kind of hand drums, frame drums, 
maybe some West African drums that I own. Uh, and if they have a drum set at their house, because I do in-home work, oh, yeah, we can do drum set. But for now, I don't have a clinic. So I definitely kind of want to get a clinic down the line because I do own a marimba. It's just out of the state. So if I could get a space, I could bring my marimba in, bring my drum set in and offer that too, which I would love. So I hope to see that grow into that. So for now, it's really kind of rhythmic based and um, which as music therapists, we know just rhythm itself has so many benefits. So it's kind of just like really learning to read and play rhythms. Uh, And then that could help if they want to learn a different instrument down the line because they're going to have that rhythmic bass just kind of down. Yeah, totally. Do you have any tools or resources for adaptive lessons that you want to share with the listeners? Ooh, I don't know. I, I adapt a lot of my own kind of thing. Um, I do like a color-coded system. Um, so I'll put stickers on the ukulele and, and stickers on a piano synthesizer and um, kind of match those colors to the note names uh, that match my little bell set so that you can see the letters on there too. Um, so that's like a big one I start with, with that color matching to like learn the letter names. Um, otherwise, let's see, Wade Richards has a really cool guitar adaptive kind of, I think a book, I'd have to look into that a little more, but I, um, I know he's got a really good resource for that. Um, there's a lot you can do with guitar with, um, non-traditional tuning, kind of the open, like D is a pretty good one. Um, and some, sometimes for guitar, I'll tune it all with the first and fifth. Um, if they're doing that kind of bar, that way the third doesn't get in the way of minor chords. And so you could maybe play the minor chord to get the minor sound playing with them, but they still get that root sound and could play a minor chord in that open tuning. So those are kind of big ones. I am presenting on adaptive lessons at the Midwestern region. Yeah. So stay tuned. Oh, I'm excited to hear about that. If you're in the Midwest, go to conference, go see Bonnie, yeah. learn adaptive lesson things. Yeah, and I mean, just on Facebook, you can, um, you can find a lot of resources and even just ask questions, and people have a ton of good ideas for that, too. But a lot of it's just kind of being patient, kind of seeing where they are. Um, I'll adapt different kind of reading systems based on an individual. I've really individualized it, which makes it, I feel like, similar to music therapy. But again, we're working on really that kind of performance space. So that's kind of the line. But it, it definitely blurs. I feel like the line blurs. Yeah. But not in a bad way. Like, yeah. Music is music and we should all be able to use it for yes. whatever we're trying to achieve in life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So... You also put out a ton of resources, intervention ideas, videos, posts. Like, you're pretty active on social media. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what inspired you to do that? That's a great question. Um, When did I – when did I start? I don't even know. I think it was – it's either in my internship, like, late in my internship or right at the beginning of my professional career. But I I would have to go look. That's probably an interesting timestamp. But I think – I really, I was feeling like I needed support as a new professional. So I wanted not only to find supports, but to give back too. So like I'd find something cool and be like, oh, that's helpful. And then I'd be like, well, I wrote this song. Why can't I share it too? So I just started kind of posting over time and it's picked up as I've created my own business. But um, my idea is I just want to create as much kind of accessible sources 
that people can go to for either direct intervention ideas using the songs or even if it's like, oh, that makes me think of something else I'd want to do. And to kind of just keep that creativity because I feel like when professionals are burnt out or there's stuff going on in personal life, it can be really hard sometimes to session plan. And um, any way I could help because I feel, feel like the online resources I've found were just like critical in my early career of like providing that support for me to be creative. And so I just kind of want to give back to that cycle. Yeah, what a great way to put it. That's one of the wonderful things about our profession is everyone is always just like wanting to give back, wanting to do more, wanting to create community or whatever. Just wholesome people. We are wholesome people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you can find things to invest in online and find the people that resonate with you. And um, so many of these creators are giving out so much, so many free materials. So you can really go and explore and use their materials. And if there's somebody that's really a good fit, then you can do that extra investment. Because I feel like new professionals especially could get kind of stressed out by the idea of like, oh, I have to pay for this membership to get the support I need so I don't burn out and leave the field. And it's like, well, there's a lot of free things too. And there's a lot of Facebook groups. So start there and you could save up even too if there's something is like, oh, I would like to join that, but it's not, it's not in the budget right now. You can like make that a goal, make it like, okay, I'm going to save up or earn enough to get to where I can be a membership for that site because I like what they're putting out. Yeah, definitely. So when you, what was it like for you starting your practice, um, looking for the support, but also giving it out at the same time? Um, tell us, walk me through that, that journey. Yeah, well, I had a couple of jobs before I started my practice, and um, that's where a lot of the burnout set in. Um, I was pretty isolated for the most part at both locations, so like everything, just you know, going from that internship to kind of like, okay, now it's all me. I have to do all this planning, very light supervision, like oh, like what do you do? So I was really burnt out, and that's when I began to kind of cultivate and, and uh, collect like online resources. Um, And a big changing point was a national conference. I met Ami Kunimura, who I believe you've interviewed. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) I love Ami. And um, I just kind of was walking by her booth and she had these little mantras you could like take away that are just these like awesome positive things. Like, I I wish I had some with me, but it's like design your life and just like things are like, oh, cool. And she's like, yeah, take them. And um, she had the self-care institute being advertised and I had never heard about it. So I signed up for her email list. And then after conference that next uh, like January was when I was like really, really burnt out, kind of like, I don't know. I need more support. I, I, I don't know what's going on. And I kind of like remembered her from conference. And so I bought her ebook and it changed everything because I was able to identify like this is burnout before I couldn't even like put a word what was happening. It was just like this weird thing. of like, I love being a music therapist, but I dread going to work every day. Like what? <laughs> like I don't understand. But that's, that's such a common thing during burnout. But it's hard when you don't have that name to it. And then just like self-care implementation was in the ebook too so I was able to start making those self-care routines and realizing like I have to take care of myself to take care of my clients and and I'm you know you are the most important person at the end of the day and like really trying to embody that and um so then fast forward later in the year I ended up leaving the jobs to go full-time with my business um 
which I don't regret at all, just because I think I've, I have this entrepreneurial spirit I didn't really realize. And um, yeah, and so I kind of increased my videos more because it became kind of part of the business. But I have been putting them out pretty infrequently, and I think I kind of try to do once a month, but even still I don't. It's kind of like whenever inspiration strikes, and I'll like make stories too to share things. And um, just the support that I've found online over that time through that burnout, not just with Ami's book, but a lot of online resources too, um, and people you meet at conferences, and just kind of continually creating and supporting myself through finding these supports. Um, has allowed me to be creative to put these videos out and hope that it also helps people too. And recently I put all my videos in different like goal playlists because I heard like one complaint from music therapists was like, yeah, there's resources online, but there's no like acceptable way to find them. It's like you go to a blog, you got to search all their old posts. So I tried to put things into playlists. So, um, so if people are like, I'm specifically looking for a fine motor song, at least they kind of have somewhere to go to and hope, you know, hopefully something in there helps them out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um, this will probably come out after my episode with Samantha from Music Therapy Exchange. Yeah, you, you must know you just made a face. Yes, so yes. you can explain it. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's doing something so cool. So she is creating like this online interface where you can have interventions and search for them with like really specific tags and populations and goals. I put some of my songs that I've created on there um, as I'm creating them because I'm so for it because right now it's this free um, tool and support that you can use and she saw that need for accessibility and it's just super exciting and I was like oh I gotta get on this so I've definitely been adding things to it and I can't wait to see where that goes so yeah music therapy exchange I think everyone should go and use it. It's going to be more effective the more people put into it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what are some of, when you were going through your burnout and you were reading Ami's book, what are some of the tools you put in place for yourself uh, and advice you have for someone else who is experiencing that right now? Yeah, so just developing self-care routine has been a big one for me and an ongoing process. Every morning I do yoga, yoga with Adrian. Yes, um, yoga with Adrian. <laughs> yes, oh, I love her. <laughs> so I try to do that every morning. And very recently, I've um, kind of New Year's resolution, I added a walk that I do because I found, at least for me, getting that really physical self-care kind of in nature um, has been really important. And I, I think... I think the, an issue of self-care is that people think it's like, I need to go buy a bath bomb or something, you know, I need to spend, 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 spend. And you can do that as self-care, but so much of self-care for me is taking care of yourself. So like whatever that looks like for you in your life at that moment. And if it's taking a shower, that can be self-care. If it's, you know, getting out of bed, that's self-care and just giving yourself time in the day. And I literally schedule it in my planner. I put morning routine, which has my self-care in it. Um, because you can get busy and be like, oh, I won't do that part. But it's really taking that time to care for your needs, whether that be physical or even just like, um, I do a lot of journaling too. And in there, I kind of do like positive self-talk that I don't necessarily give myself throughout the day. So kind of working on practicing that too. 
and finding like those mental things you need, the emotional things you need. Self-care could be getting your own therapist if you need to. Um, and her book lays out some like anything and everything about self-care. Things you didn't know about self-care is in her book. Uh, playing music for yourself. Huge part of self-care as music therapists and our own relationship with music because that's where burnout could be coming from. Could very well just be like you're missing that aspect of that music you used to have, that relationship you used to have, but work has kind of, it's kind of become work and, and clinical. So even just playing music for yourself and like making that time being like, I have to practice for 15 minutes because that could be something that you're missing for your own self-care routine. Yeah. Those are all really great ideas. And your morning sounds a lot like my morning. So <laughs> I, I relate to that. Tea, tea and or coffee and <laughs> I'm just yoga with my cat and and then I go on my walk and it's it can be hard. It can feel like I'm procrastinating. I have like my to-do list and it's like, why am I taking a walk? And it's like, because I need I need to enjoy my day. I need to enjoy my life and take care of myself and set my mindset for the day instead of just rushing into the work super stressed. Like taking that moment for yourself and then working has made a huge difference and just being mindful in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I have my dog is my excuse of why I need to walk <laughs> twice a day. So that's nice. Yeah. I can't walk my cat. She, <laughs> she wouldn't let me. You can get one of those little strollers or like the backpacks I've with the tried. bubble window. You've tried. Wonderful. I did. I, in Omaha during my internship, I had a stroller and I would take my cat on walks and people would think I had a baby. And um, then they would be like, oh, that's a cat. And my cat was just like in the corner with her head down the whole time. So I finally was like, okay, she hates this. I need to stop. A valiant effort. Yeah. So what are, what is your vision for your practice, your online presence, your lessons? Like where do you envision all of that going in say five to 10 years? I have no idea. Um, Good for you. <laughs> um, right now, I'm a solopreneur, and I kind of like it. I could see maybe growing into a team one day, maybe five or ten years, um, because at a certain point, just business-wise, there's only so much, many direct services you can provide individually. Mm-hmm. So it could reach a point where that. But for now, I'm kind of content working on my own and just, like, really managing my schedule and controlling my schedule and then not having to worry about anybody else but I could see that possibly um as far as the work I do with my business I definitely want to keep providing lessons um I would love to start like a percussion ensemble in the community um for all abilities I think that'd be cool there's um some yoga people I'm talking with so we'll get some yoga and music going um I, I really like partnering with the community And so it's been really cool just kind of the collaborations that come out of that. And so I don't necessarily know where the visions go, but I know I want to stay connected in the community because um, I feel like the opportunities for like cool things will kind of come out uh, in time and it'll just kind of be like, oh, this is kind of this organic way we could work together for this population. Um, Yeah. And then online presence. I don't know. I... (laughs) I might start a podcast. So that's the whole, that's just. <laughs> yes. Tell me more. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's just a dream of mine. My idea currently, I've had many. Well, actually, it's really funny. I was like, I want to start a podcast and call it like the music therapy tea. And my fiance is like, that's too long. And then there's a podcast that's out called MT. Uh, like, like MT. And then, then like, it's like one word. 
I think it's MTEA. Um, and it's an, and it's excellent too. So I was like, oh man, they beat me to the name, <laughs> but it's so good. And so yeah, I would recommend that podcast too. Um, so my current idea is um, a lot with the things I put online. I've noticed um, adults with disabilities, um, as far as free resources, is almost non-existent right now online, which is kind of crazy. For kids of any population, I feel like that's that's online. You're going to find those free resources and, and excellent paid resources, too. Older adults, same thing. There's so many resources. And then I feel like psychiatric's pretty good, too, kind of kind of when you Google search. If you Google search, like, adults with disabilities or IDD, music therapy, you don't get very much. And it's crazy. And um, there's a Facebook group that's pretty good um, that's, that specializes on that. But even still... It's kind of just people posting when they feel like it. Um, so I've started specifically putting session plans online uh, for adult for my adults with disability groups and what I'm doing because I want to make those free resources more accessible for that population because I feel like um, it's a population that's served a lot and should be served more probably. Um, but it can be frustrating and I could see it for a new professional too, who's like, Oh, like it's almost like, well, here's how to work with kids with disabilities. And it's like, cool. I I can't use any of these songs (laughs) like because they're adults, (laughs) but so it's, um, hopefully I can get more of those resources out. So an idea for a podcast would specifically focus on that population. Um, and it's just kind of an idea and I could, like, interview people who work with adults with disabilities and music therapists and just have that as a free resource for professionals um, to provide the best services possible. And then my sister actually has autism, so I would maybe interview her, too, if she wants. I don't know. I She doesn't know about this yet. It's all brainstormed. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that idea. I love that idea a lot um, because you're so right that there are a lot of us working with that population, but the resources out there are not, they're different ends of the age spectrum. Yeah. You know, spectrum in this context, it can be confusing. So, but uh, yeah. I, I have the same thing where I'm working with my, I do kids, but I also have adults and I go to the sessions and I remember one day one of the one-to-one care staff had a shirt and on the back it said a kid with autism grows up to be an adult with autism which like is obvious right but when you sit yeah. and think about it it's like it's so true so I, I go to my school groups and there's the structure and the paraprofessionals and the tools for prompting you know responses and they have all of these supports set up for them to to mm-hmm. grow and to be able to be independent or as independent as possible and then I go to my adults groups, which is at a community center per se, and those tools aren't available. The structure isn't quite there. The one-to-one care staff don't necessarily talk to each other and like mm. prompt in the same way. And it's kind of like, well, they're working on the same skills and my interventions are different, but how do we kind of bridge that now that they're an adult? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's so difficult because there is that focus on, like, early intervention, and it is so important, but it's almost like it gets focused on so much. They graduate school, and then what? Like, I feel like they lose so much support just in general, Mm -hmm. and there are things out there like community centers, and there are day programs, um, but even then, I feel like just the accessibility of it is not always clear, and then... Yeah, it's just it's almost like there's just so much focus on that younger age 
And then, but it's the same kids that we work with. Like, you know, it's the same people who still need support. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah. It's also what sticks out to me is say what, a client who I have in an adult group who is 44 had very different, in quotes, early intervention than my current clients who are 13. And it's not uncommon that they are working on the same goals mm-hmm. because the 44-year-old didn't get all, you know, all those tools and support staff and groups and all those school things that hopefully students have now who need those things. They didn't have those. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so how do I, how do, I do this now? Because they're capable of achieving all of that. They just didn't get it when they were five, seven. Yeah. And there's such a mix too. And like groups that you work with, I feel like with that population and even an age range. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's just, there's, I feel like there's so much difficult with it, such a need with it. And then you go online and it's like crickets, but you know, people are working with these populations. So it's almost like trying to find a way to just either make it more accessible. And that's what I want to kind of do with my session plans and just have them all in one spot where you can just go and look for ideas and resources, um, a podcast maybe. Um, and um, I feel like music therapy exchange could be a really cool mm-hmm. way for that too. Um, if, if that population was specifically like targeted more, I think unfortunately right now, if, if people were to go put on, I don't feel like that is a population for whatever reason will get shared as much. I think they're going to be kids songs and like older adults and like typical adults. And then you're just like, what about, what about the adults with IDD? Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you have that idea and that you have the the session plan resources and all the other stuff you're developing. So I'm definitely going to check those out and um, Thank you. get some inspiration for my groups yep. this week. I'll definitely keep posting the session plans. It's literally just like, okay, I did this group. I'm just going to post the session plan and what we did. If anyone has any questions, like feel free to ask. Like, let's just get some ideas out there going just more consistently and then have that one spot where over time, hopefully it's a pretty big collection of session plans and maybe down the road, even like organize it from that step. Like, okay, now here are my themed ones. Here's, you know, et cetera. Yeah. I find too, with my older groups, older adult groups, I shouldn't say that because then it sounds like I'm saying geriatric, my adults with ID groups, um, I can do bigger projects with them. And then it's like an age appropriate thing where we do a songwriting and then we do a multimodal transfer to say art and then we do a recording the next week or um, anyway, that's my thought on a session plan. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's so true that you can really do like those larger compositions, which is cool and then would be really meaningful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I think about my own thinking about my own groups. So like, let me write that one down. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, not an original idea. Plenty of people are doing that, but that's um. Whenever I'm like, I'm, there's so many unage-appropriate things going on in my brain, and I'm like, what? What do I do? I'm like, okay, well, let's mm. bigger picture. What can we do? Yeah, and I feel like it's okay to share even things that aren't like original that a lot of people are doing because it's like it could still spark that inspiration in someone who maybe hasn't tried it or or they haven't done that in a while or it makes you think of a song you could work with the group so like I in one of my last session plans I talked about how we did a rainstorm kind of drum circle and I mean a lot of people do that right a lot of people make the rainstorm but again like why not share it because 
you never know if it's that's the week that somebody could do a rainstorm or maybe somebody hasn't actually tried the rainstorm or maybe there's something about your rainstorm that's different that could be incorporated again. So I feel like even sharing ideas that you think are obvious can be beneficial too because you never know who needs to hear what, when, and what parts of their life or career. Yeah, I haven't um, been reminded of the rainstorm in a while, so thank you. Yeah, exactly, and it was fun. And I do when I do my rainstorm, I like to um, we do like kind of making the rain, and then I take out a rain stick and a thunder tube, and I pass it kind of down the arch um, on both sides while we're kind of still making the rainstorm. And it's, I feel like it's just a fun twist to add those instruments because that's fun for I do that for any age, adding in my thunder tube and rain stick because they're just instruments you don't get typically so mm-hmm. like in any setting. So it's always fun to like play a thunder tube because you're like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good one. Good one. Good one. Do you have anything you want to add before we move into rapid fire? Hmm. Let me think. Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. If you think of something, let me know. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. I drink tea too, though. <laughs> so both? Or like, ooh, what about London Fog? <laughs> There you go. You've you've broken my <laughs> rapid fire questions. <laughs> I do. I drink a good London fog. If it's like rainy, that's my go to. But and I, I make it at home too with my espresso machine, put it in the, my Earl Grey tea bag. But I probably would drink coffee more. But I drink a lot of tea. Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Um. It's I'm like a night owl trying to be an early bird. To get that walk in in the morning, gotta get up yeah, early. Exactly. I feel like I get really bummed out. Hi, if I sleep in, but um, uh, I tend to sometimes at 10 p.m. That's when like inspiration hits. But, but I wish I'd be going to bed. So it's a weird mix. Mm-hmm. Something you'd tell your younger self. Okay, I think somebody has said this on an episode, but. It resonates with me. Um, be kind to yourself, I think, would be what I want to tell myself at the end of the day. Um, I think there's a lot of things in life that seem more stressful um, than they are, like, in the larger scheme of things. Or I can I can be very harsh, and it's just not reality. So just being kind to myself uh, as ferociously as possible. Yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. Ooh, okay. Uh, I feel like mine's pretty, 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 uh, pretty standard. I tend to go. Music therapy is using music to achieve non-musical goals, um, and then I'll kind of tear into like mostly the populations I work with. So I could be like, so for a kid with autism, this could be working on socialization or communication through music activities. Yeah. Your favorite self-care practice? Ooh, okay. We've talked about this a little bit. The walk's probably been my favorite. Um, I just, like, feeling my feet while I'm walking and, like, seeing the scenery. Sometimes I listen to a podcast. It just really sets my day with such a good tone, and I can feel it when I don't do it. There's, like, that difference in the day and just that really just clear time of, like, what intentions do you want to set for this day? And it's kind of finding that gratitude in it. Yeah. Well said. I, 
yeah, I recommend walks for everybody. I wish I could be a runner. I wish I could say my self-care was running, but it's not. It doesn't have to be. (laughs) Not everyone needs that level of intensity. Yeah, my dad's is a big runner, so I feel like there's always been that pressure, but no, it's not happening. (laughs) Something that's currently adding value to your life? Um... My family and my family that I have kind of created in Colorado. I'm out here with my fiance um, and my cat, and they bring me a lot of joy every day. So this is probably a pretty typical answer, too. But definitely my family brings a lot of value, a lot of self-care into daily life, hourly life, minute life. Yeah, that's an important reason why it's a common answer. Yeah, for sure. It's just they're such a good support and um, have always been encouraging and and then we go on adventures. So it's just that nice kind of away from work, having that really strong foundation I found valuable. Yeah. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? All right. So this is what I have today. I might play the ukulele. I guess we'll have to see what it sounds like. Does that sound okay? Yeah. All right. So what I do, and this is something I use more in lessons than music therapy, but I can see it used in both. I will take Kung Fu Fighting to teach ukulele chords. So um, you go like, and then hold up a color. I got green here, and it matches with the colors on the chord. And then you like hold up a different color and they got to play that color. And it's just been such a blast to do. Um, you can do it like as fast as you want uh, in between the chords or kind of get more time for shaping. But it's been like this really humorous kind of song <laughs> to use with um, with clients and students um, to work on those chords. But you could do that for like sequencing, fine motor and music therapy, too, I think. So I don't know if I could do the verses, so <laughs> like copyright wise, but... <laughs> 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 I didn't even think of that, honestly. But I saw your video of that intervention. I don't know if it was on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, I put it in a story that day. I was just like, this is awesome. And that's one where I would be scared to make a video just because I don't know about copyright. But I, I imagine the O's are fine. You you can't <laughs> prove that was kung fu fighting. <laughs> uh, I See, those are things I don't even think of. So I guess we'll find out if the, the podcast gods tell me that... <laughs> I broke the copyright. This was Bonnie Haps covering Kung Fu Fighting. (laughs) There you go. That should be fine. I think covers are fine, right? Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, not an original. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that one's been fun. I shared it on my Instagram because I was like, this is awesome. Then I did it in a session and it was awesome. So it's just, it's just been going so well. And um, just like that quick cueing of the colors gives that visual support um, and just kind of makes it fun. So good. I like that one. Thank you for sharing. And lastly, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on social media. Um, I'm at Rhythmic Roots Music Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn, YouTube, Pinterest. You can find all that on my Instagram in the description. That's probably the easiest for that. Um, Yeah, and then I'm on like many of the Facebook forums too if you see Bonnie Haupt. Um, I like talking to people, so... Don't be shy. You can send me a message. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been a really great conversation and I appreciate you making the time to be on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is a dream come true. So <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this episode <laughs> while driving. <laughs> I said that. I said that. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell myself when I put these out, I'm like, Trisha, done is better than perfect. Like, you know, someone so will true. get something out of whatever was said, whether it was me tongue-tying myself or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I mean, if we worked perfect per- to perfection all the time, then, like, things would never get shared. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why my videos are so low-edited, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I just want to get things out there to share as much as possible. So I try to edit a little bit, but for the most part, it's just like, just get it out there because somebody might need to hear this song. Agreed. And I look forward to hearing your podcast, unless it evolves <laughs> into something else. No pressure. It's I look true. forward to we'll seeing see. I'll let everybody know where that creative flow goes to one way or another. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And have a good evening. Thanks. You too. Bye. was such a good conversation and Bonnie speaks so eloquently about all those different topics. It was great to hear her take on adaptive lessons as a music therapist. Um, I myself have had people ask me about adaptive lessons and although that's not something I do, I know lots of music therapists do that uh, and it was nice to hear how she creates that boundary, the separation between the two, but still is able to Um, distinguish the value that both of them provide in similar but different ways. So I hope you gained a lot of insight from that conversation, have some resources you can check out and some inspiration for different ideas to use in your sessions. Please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's something you can do super quickly. That really helps the podcast be more visible to people looking for this type of content. You can also check us out on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. And if you or somebody you know is interested in being on the podcast, or if there's someone you want us to reach out to, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. This podcast isn't possible without our guests. Uh, Otherwise, it would just be me talking to myself. So (laughs) please consider being on the podcast or letting us know who you would like to hear from. If you are a patron over on patreon.com, you have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So if there's a guest you want to ask a question to, um, you can do so on Patreon. I post who the guests are as I schedule them over there. And once again, all donations on Patreon for the month of February will be given to the Australian Red Cross to help with their uh, disaster relief efforts. So I think that if we all pitch in, we can give a very sizable contribution um, to help them at this time of need. So please consider checking that out in the link that is in the show notes. That's it for this week's episode, and I will see you in the next one.